What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 81 of Cooldown Time. In this episode, our 2022 end-of-year coverage begins with our picks for the best hidden gems of 2022, plus the shocking reviews of God of War of Ragnarok, the return of Deus Ex, updates from Max Payne, Alan Wake, and Control, and much more. But before we get the show started, it's time to introduce your two-man panel for the show, starting with me your graphically impressive host, Marco. And joining me, as always, is the co-host and technical mess of the show, Pablo. Pablo, how you doing, man? I'm doing as as good as I can, I can be, I guess. I'm getting over, I don't know what it is. I tested. It's not COVID. Mm. Uh, but uh, I don't know, man. That the fever? I feel like fever, yeah. Fever, some cough, some runny noses, as you guys can probably hear it. Uh, I'm nasally as a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Booger's running down his microphone right this second, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but all in all, I'm feeling pretty good, uh, all things considered. Uh, ready to talk about some video games and yeah. get our end of year discussions going. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm not too I'm not I'm not too one hundred percent either. I, I have this 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 lingering cough and uh a lot of mucus, ladies, just just resting in in nuzzled Ooh. in the back of my throat for some reason. I don't know what happened. I just woke up like this and it's been I wake up with like a very white, deep voice and then it gradually oh, goes away. Well then maybe I wish maybe I can keep thing. it. I want that I, I I like having the sick deep voice. I don't know why. It just oh, yeah, feels yeah, yeah. cool. Like I want to talk about everything when I have that voice, but then I go back to my little squeaky uh, raspy voice uh, that, that I normally you have. You know, I have a theory on that. You were really not feeling well while you played Bayonetta 3. Ah, <laughs> then, it made me sick. That one, and then that one. <laughs> foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. Foreshadowing indeed. Uh, lots to get into in this week's episode. But before we start, uh, just another reminder about our end of year coverage, which does kick off today. As I said earlier, we have a lot of awesome content coming for you guys uh, throughout the rest of this year and early into next year, including uh, giving out grades to Microsoft, Sony and Nintendo for their years, uh, major third party reviews as well. Open critic winners and losers, and of course, our game of the year 2022 deliberations uh, coming around Christmas and New Year's time. So, you're definitely going to want to stick around for that. And the best way to do that is to subscribe to our show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and our official website at cooldowntime.com. And if you're feeling extra cool, you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at It's Cooldown Time to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. But with that out of the way, it is officially time to get the show started, and we're going to do that with loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. Okay, Pablo. So uh, we have two games to talk about this week. Um, where do you want to start? Do you want to get you want to get the the other one out of the way real quick before we launch yeah. into the big one? How do you feel? Yeah, let me get it. A- yeah, let me get away because it's not really a new game. At least it's a game that we talked about before. But yeah. we're not even talking about a game. We're gonna talk about a mode. Yes. I'm talking about uh, Call of Duty's Modern Warfare 2's third-person uh, mode. 
Uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, basically Call of Duty, but in third person. Like, think of the game that I'll be referencing a lot here is SOCOM. Think SOCOM. Because you're going to be thinking SOCOM while you play this mode. Uh, Marco, uh, I played this in the beta, and I was completely disappointed because I was actually wanting and expecting something like SOCOM uh, because I miss it so much, right? So this comes on uh, off the beta. You tell me about it. Hey, listen, it's working great. You know, I I go into with a with a with little bit of skepticism just because how bad of my experience was how bad my experience was with the beta. Uh, let me tell you, how long did it take, Marco? What two seconds for me to be like, holy shit, I'm playing? Yeah, yeah, because I think they they've balanced it and they've and they've actually got it to work where it doesn't feel like an afterthought. It feels like somebody somebody put some time and effort into making this feel full on third person, and it plays completely different too. Because you know, with, with the whole camera aspect and the fact that you can see a lot more, have more visibility, you know, there, there are certain times where opening a door. Uh, and then kind of panning the camera around and then kind of like coming out real quickly and just filling somebody with bullets because they can't see you, but you can see them. That kind of strategy uh, is a whole new kind of strategy that you can implement into this mode. And everybody plays a lot more methodical. Uh, so I think uh, game modes like Control and Hardpoint are played a little bit more methodical in terms of you clearing areas just because of the nature of how the game actually looks and how it plays and how you can be more successful if you play that way. Uh, I, I don't have much to add to it, just that I, I, I think this is a great time to kind of uh, tell Sony uh, from our humble podcast to stop being <laughs> cowards and bring back SOCOM because if the Call of Duty team was able to do this and I'm not and again they put time and effort you can tell they did but if you have a team that recreates SOCOM and this is all this is I don't I it may it may not be the Call of Duty hit of course it won't be but man there's people out there that are really wanting something like this uh, and if Rainbow Six Siege has shown there's a niche audience for almost any kind of shooter and I think SOCOM can be really successful if they put some time behind it but yeah man I'm loving this I don't know if I'm ever gonna go back to playing the first person of this ver- wow. of this Modern Warfare 2 as often oh, not okay. at all but okay. as often uh, because I, today I played a little bit trying to get some um, trying to get uh, my gun uh, level up so I can unlock other guns that I can use in third person mode and I just wasn't having fun it was a slog and I just went right back to the third person mode and I was like mm. oh yeah this is home baby this is home <laughs> that is home okay okay all right um <laughs> yeah man. yeah dude I think it's great I was telling you on the last week's episode I'm like it is it yeah. is it isn't a good place to try out I think the one thing I'm worried about and I told you this the other day was um I hope that the player base takes to this yeah. mode as much as we have because I think there's a lot of purists that just won't mess around with this mode because they want to play in first person which is fair it's I mean it's been the staple of Call of Duty we can't pretend like it's not been but I hope that it does gain in popularity to the point where it's a mainstay for the future of the series yeah Um, I would love to see this retained in future Call of Duties and not just be a one-off thing that they did that one game and they never touched it again or tried it again because i think it is a lot of fun um the player count in the third person mode is a little wonky at times because it's like a mosh pit thing where it's just a mix of all the different modes and match types or whatever so sometimes people will bounce out if the if the mode is one that they don't want to play uh so like hard point or something people will usually dip out and then it's like the room is dead uh then you have to like leave and then jump back in a room that's busier a lobby rather um so there is a little bit of that kind of thing to to think about but as far as fun factor goes especially coming from two socom addicts um that are still recovering um 
it is a really, really fun time. So I definitely suggest it uh, to anybody that has Modern Warfare 2. It is worth your time. Try it out. You might just enjoy it. So yeah, definitely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Now let's get to the next game on our loadouts. And um, Pablo, this is one that you had gotten a kind of a one week head start on playing, yeah. uh, which was Bayonetta 3. So a yes. couple days after we recorded the last episode, uh, I had my pops in town. I was just kind of, you know, chilling with my, you know, my switch in my room. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get it now because... You know, the rest of November is going to be a little stacked with games and stuff I'm really interested in trying out. So I don't want this game to get lost in the shuffle. So I go ahead, bite the bullet. I pick up the game and I want to say I, th- I think where I left off was I finished chapter nine. So I, I'm pretty sure I'm like past the halfway point in the game, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. It's there twenty. There's twenty chapters. Well, I heard some of them are like epilogue kind of things, too. Yeah, so I, very, I yeah. Yeah. So. I think they included the first one and the second level, which aren't technically even a chapter. Yeah. So yeah. 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 So there's a little bit of weirdness with that. But um I wanted to go ahead and say my piece about this game. Um It's gonna get a little spicy. I haven't been on a rant in uh in quite a bit, man. I think the yeah. last one I was really on was when back when you were on leave with uh with, with your, your son when he was born and I was going off about Halo or whatever and Kojima being a hoe. Uh, which which he still is, he's still a hoe. But I I have to kind of get on my 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 ranty bag for for this one, and uh, let me kind of get the opening salvo out of the way, Pablo. But I definitely want to tag you in because I think we both ended up landing in the same spot here with this game. Yeah. Um. Let me start here. Bayonetta three is god awful. Bayonetta three is god awful. Um. This is shockingly and but unequivocally one of the sloppiest most unfocused and poorly designed games in in nearly every facet that i have played in quite some time and if you're shocked to hear that i'm just as shocked to be sitting here saying that to you because as i've said throughout this year um literally right after bayonetta 3 was re-revealed I was dying for this game, and Pablo was looking forward to this a lot, too. But this game, from every angle there is, is an abject disaster, in my personal opinion. And, you know, we we talk a lot about reviews and how credible they are, how much we should take them seriously, who to trust, so on and so forth. And, And this is genuinely one of those cases where I don't know what drug these reviewers were on i just don't know um when it comes to this game in a nutshell i feel like this is the epitome of what i call bland bombast um everything about this game is determined to dazzle you with explosions and crashing buildings and you know, just complete natural disasters, flash flooding, explosions, green monstrous blobs, and all the while amid this this brand of chaos that used to be enjoyable, there is a, a distinct feeling of disorder, disarray, and sloppiness every single step of the way. And I think the best place to start with that feeling of sloppiness is with the obvious, the visuals and performance. 
not only does this game look and run like Kaka, but <laughs> but it is also the greatest game I have seen in a yeah. long time. This game makes Starfield's color palette look like Viva Pinata in comparison. Yeah. It is ridiculous for a game that is supposed to be vibrant, stylish, you know, very in your face and, and very, you know, uh, upbeat and irreverent. What a gray, bland looking video game. I mean, it, it, on top of the blurriness, the choppiness, the just the, the, the resolution being complete Vaseline to the eyes, you have a color palette and an art style that somehow is miles behind what Bayonetta's one and two were about, right? Visual vomit, too much noise. There's so many things happening on screen at, at one time, especially in combat, which combat is a jarring regression compared to the first two games, especially the second one, which I thought was peak Bayonetta. Yeah. Um, bland bombast, the scale and set pieces that just feel inconsequential. You see that you see so many like cataclysmic things happening. Your mind just goes blank. And it's like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be feeling anymore. It's just everything is being destroyed again in, in another universe because it's a parallel multiverse kind of thing going on. Um, the, the size of enemies, the design of the enemies, uh, just big green monstrous blobs, like I said earlier. And they're so large that they turn the combat into a glorified ankle punching game. Um, <laughs> they, they offset that by adding what they call demon slaves, which are th these giant kaiju like, you know, um, uh, creatures or whatever you want to call them that are that match the scale of these large enemies. But they're so slow and unfun to use compared to the core character combat of Bayonetta that it just detracts from the fun of actually engaging with the gameplay. Um, the visual noise that I talked about earlier, that leads to bad camera angles, scales out too far. You become this little penny-sized bayonetta on your screen because it's trying to show you everything that's going haywire. Yeah. And you can't see what you're doing because there's dithering, which is this bad graphical effect when too many things are getting in your way. So they try to make stuff transparent so you can see what's going on. It looks terrible. That's all this game is. Yeah. The side character missions. I mean, these are the cheapest throwaway stealth. The stealth missions with John are awful. The, the combat from Viola, who is the, the new side character, it's, it's really not good at all. And the set piece moments where you're doing the wild, wacky, chaotic Bayonetta stuff. Like, now you're going to be a spider climbing over, you know, caved-in buildings to get to the... All those moments that are supposed to be so irreverent and fun and cool, they control, like, booty hole, man. Yeah. The only positive, Pablo, that I can genuinely say that I like about this game is Bayonetta herself. Yeah. That's really it. I, I have not found any redeeming quality of this game in any aspect of it that I have found to be, oh, well, at least there's that. Everything yeah. comes with this this caveat of like either regression or just completely bad game design. And it is such a step backward from Bayonetta 2 that it's 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 not laughable because it's not funny that a series this prestigious has fallen this far, but like it's just frustrating because Everybody around this this game that's also playing it doesn't seem to to see that, and I, I understand it's all subjective in some ways. But like, what I don't like is 
and I'll I'll kick it over to you after I after I say this part, but I don't like a lot of the discourse about Bayonetta right now because people have this weird playful feeling about Bayonetta to the point where they're not critical enough about Bayonetta. Like because yeah. it's so chaotic, everyone likes cha- like if I describe to you that that spider crawling through the building scene, there's going to be some contrarian that's going to hear that and go, "Actually, that sounds pretty freaking cool." You know, it, as if to kind of like be like, "Oh, I get what they're doing and you don't." Like it's not about that. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like I knew I was in for a zany time. It's just that the zaniness that they're giving you in this game is genuinely poorly made. And it just right. repeats all throughout every single mission. And then you have all the other visual and performance and side character crap going on at the same time. It just turns into a bunch of junk. And right. I'm really shocked to feel that way. But I want to kick it back over to you because obviously you put more time into it after playing it um, last time around. So so tag in and tell me how you're feeling. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to those sort of things, it shouldn't be left up to the imagination as to what this set piece could have been. Uh, that's not the way this works. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when specifically that scene, because I think that's that's a that's one of the scenes that come on, which you're the crab on a uh, walking on some buildings that are yeah, falling yeah. off, and there's this flood coming in. That 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 is one of the most horrible things I've seen in a AAA game in years, in terms of it coming out recently. I I, I don't understand. I don't understand what they were going for. I don't even understand. Uh, how they thought that that looked good because they they flaunt this game in your face. So like I mentioned last week, there's a photo mode. There are moments where there there long cutscenes that look absolutely dreadful. I I honestly I'm baffled. I, I I'm shocked. I, I think that you know, Platinum did not create a game based on the hardware they had. They should have made some compromises and they didn't. Uh, they pretty much went into the whole experience. We're gonna make the game. We're gonna make and. What what is going to fail? What is gonna what it, we what we are going to compromise is visual fidelity because that game, it, I mean, it looks at, it's horrible. It, it looks mm-hmm. terrible, and and I, and I agree with everything you pretty much said. I I I don't know what could have been done here. I I know that you can easily say, well, it's a switch, and you shouldn't judge it too hard. Yes, you can because we have other games that have come out that have worked with the hardware and made the game that they could within that system. If the only way they could have made Bayonetta three was on the Switch, they should have made a game that could run on the Switch. And they've done that before way- successfully with Astral yeah. Chain, Bayonetta one and two. Yeah, they've they've done yeah. that. They've they've succeeded yeah. at making a a well running Switch game. Exactly, and, and it just they don't have it here, and it, it just for me, I think at the end of the day. Uh, I don't think I can say anything that's going to be better than what you said because you pretty much put all my thoughts into uh, uh, into your little rant there, which you know I I, I it's it's baffling because eighty eight at a at a open critic, which is the same uh same grade I think that uh, Xenoblade Chronicles three has. Uh, you that's know, wild. Uh, it's among the top 10, 15 rated games of the year uh, on open critic. And I don't know anybody that can really sit there with a straight face, play this game, and say that it is one of those top games of the year. Like, I I listened to myself last episode, and I was kind of, I cringed a little bit because I was like, man, I I feel so anti-reviews and so anti, I can't believe these guys are doing this. I sound like one of those Twitter guys, right? (laughs) At least how I I said to myself. But then Bayonetta comes out, it kind of just proves my point a little bit in terms of everything that's been going on, where it's like... They're not talking about the game. They're talking about Bayonetta as a 
character and the legacy of those games but they're not really talking about Bayonetta 3 they're talking about all the things that the games this game could have been but not what this game is and it's super frustrating uh i it's <laughs> i don't know where we go from here uh with Bayonetta i don't know I, I, I don't know if it's gonna sell well um i i would say this Bayonetta 3 did a lot of damage with for me that any other Bayonetta game that gets announced i'm gonna be extremely uh you know pessimistic on what the game is actually going to end up being because there's no way there's no way that Bayonetta 4 could come out on a Switch system or on the next Switch I don't even think because of everything that it's trying to do and be successful the problem with Bayonetta and it's not even a problem it's that it's so like bombastic it's massive it's huge and if you pare that down a lot it might suffer a little bit but I mean where do we go from here you know Mm -hmm. but it's it, it it's it's a bad game, uh, and I, I I think I'm a little more positive when it comes to the uh, gameplay portion of it, but that starts to wear thin. And you say Bayonetta Bayonetta is your favorite, like she's your, the best part of this game, but this game is so frustrating, like you said, that even her shtick starts to wear thin after a while. It does. Uh, so it does. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It, it and it it turns a lot of what made the game the series charming on its head because. Somewhere in the middle of all these bad set pieces and combat and terrible storytelling, she's just strutting and spinning and letting off all her one-liners, and it just does something to that to that feeling so, that I used to have with Bayonetta Two. Where I'm like, yeah, you know, like I, I like that feeling of you know seeing her, you know, kind of owning the moment and you know having that presence. But man, this game just—I I don't know, man. Even with the combat, it's like you know, yes, the, the the core combat is fun, but you can't depend on it now because they've made you need to use this kaiju thing where instead yeah. of playing the fast responsive tight controls of the combat it's now you've got to control slow. this big lumbering thing and it, you know you hit the attack button and it takes like five seconds to do it there's another boss battle in the game where i think they they tried for this like godzilla kind of fight sort of thing i don't know if you got you i yeah. think you got to it already yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like dude you hit an attack button and it's literally like 10 seconds while the monster is like slashing like really game. slow <laughs> I'm like, what happened? So to wrap it up, I will say this. I agree with you about the future of Bayonetta. I will say, to go a step further, I don't think the Platinum games that we know and love exist anymore. I don't personally think so. I think when you look at their their recent history, especially with like the Babylon fall of the world, kind of, you know, that kind of stuff, I just don't think that they are as as good and, and, and as talented of a team as they used to be. I think their best days are behind them. I think right now they, they come off to me as a parody of themselves. Yeah. And um, and this game to me really represented that in an extremely disappointing way. Like I said, I'm not saying this just to be spicy or edgy. I This was a game I thought was a lock for my top 10. I'm not even going to finish playing the, the, the story anymore. That's how bad it is. I'm totally off the yeah. game. I uninstalled it. Um, and I'm, I just and I'm can't glad come you back. played it because I, I felt the same way where I'm playing this game and I'm thinking, am I tripping? Or I just don't like I, I don't I don't think I get it, you know, but I don't know, man. We'll see what happens here, uh, especially with Platinum saying that they kind of want to go into game as service territory as well. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see that because their last few games is like you said, are Babylon's Fall and the, the Wonderful World 101 Remaster. Oh, Astral Chain was pretty good, though. Uh, <clears throat> but, man. Yeah. 
nah. It's a big nah for me on that one. So yeah, uh, buyer beware. Uh, don't don't fully lean into the reviews too much. Um, but we will Mark, we will talk about more review stuff later on. But what do you got? What's up? Do you know anybody else that's playing this game that isn't us? I do not. No, it's just you and me. It's just you and me. I, I wonder because I wonder if uh, anybody that we know is playing this that if they felt feel the same way, like they're a little shocked as I, to how bad the game. I've seen some Reddit posts of like, hey, is anybody kind of like not enjoying this? And 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 the person that wrote it was like, they wrote a very long and and very well written explanation as to why they felt like it was a step back. I don't know if I've heard anybody outright say that it's as bad as we're saying it is though. So well, I would I, I I did a search on Twitter about Beta 3 and I you know I saw some discourse about people were like this is awful but then again it's just Twitter you know? Yeah, but you'll it, find every so weird opinion everywhere. Yeah. You you want to know why it's awful and then I give you that. Mm. But I'm just, I'm really shocked because I, like again I don't I don't think we're the type of people who sit here and are going to be controversial or like you said spicy for the sake of it. Like did, did, this is the game we talked up for many a month, many a year, even just yeah. uh, leading up to it, because we love Bayonetta, and I've said this on the show: Bayonetta Two is top five action game for me, mm-hmm. and the fact that Bayonetta Three uh, isn't even going to be a top twenty game of the year for me is, a matter of fact, it's gonna it's gonna win some awards in our oh, in our, in our, might, in our show, yeah. I think, and it's not gonna be the awards that people think it, it might just be all. the booty juice of the week <laughs> uh, as well. Um, yeah, so I think that's going to do it for loadouts this week, though, Pablo. Um, let's talk about uh, more exciting things than, than the disappointment of Bayonetta 3. So let's jump into our hit point segment right now. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for hit points. All right, so we have uh, four hit points items to talk about this week, sir. Uh, let's actually start over with you to give us yeah. uh, some some interesting and exciting news about a franchise we actually both love. So what do you got? Yeah, the uh, the very nice and not mean guy, Jason Schreier, Schreier. Uh, Schreier, has reported that a new Deus Ex title is in the very early stages of development at Eidos Montreal. No other information is known about the game at this time, so as Deus Ex fans, how do we feel about this news, and more specifically, what direction should they take with this game? Yeah, so um, this was this was really, really exciting. Um, you know, I tried to temper my expectations when the whole acquisition with Embracer happened. I thought, I don't think we're going to see this game again. I think it's done. I know they, they're talking it up and saying, you yeah, know, mentioning but- Soul Reaver and stuff, but I just didn't have a lot of like hope about it. But once Schreier gets a hold of something, it's usually true. I hate As much as I hate to say it, I'm not a big fan of his, but he's usually on the money. So I, I'm, I'm willing to let myself believe this is reality. Um, I'm super excited, um, but I think in terms of direction, I have kind of an interesting take here because I don't fully know if what we should expect is a direct, direct sequel to Mankind Divided. Because by the time this game comes out, Man. it will be it'll be a while after this, you know, because they said it's very early in development. We're looking at probably a decade gap between this and Mankind Divided, potentially, right? And this is all hypothesizing, of course. Might be sooner, might be later, who knows. But I feel like they should retain some of the story elements from the first two games to wrap that up. But I, I feel like they need to go in a, I'll just say it, a more cyberpunk 2077 route. 
I think they should. I think they should blow this up. That way, yeah. Pull, make this into a full blown open world RPG in the side, uh, the not the Cyberpunk universe, the, the Deus Ex universe. Give us a character creator. Um, maybe Adam Jensen can be a supporting character in the game or something like that. So there's a continuity we want. But I think this needs to evolve and turn into more of a, a open world Western RPG. If I'm if I'm being honest, I think that. And again, I'm saying that mostly because if Deus Ex is going to come back, expecting it to be exactly what it was where it left off is a bit unrealistic because that's a long time ago and, and expectations have kind of changed about what we want from from games that are in the cyberpunk kind of world. So I, I would want to see them take a stab and say, where cyberpunk failed, we're going to try to succeed. Um, and hopefully that's what they do. That's my dream. But what what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I think that would be ideal. I just don't think that they are going to put in the money or the effort. I, I shouldn't say effort. Uh, money into making this a direct competitor with the likes of Cyberpunk. Uh, and honestly, I, I think that if it did that, I think that would be fantastic. I think it could work. I think that the Deus Ex universe is rich and can benefit from that. But I also think that if you were to make a game that's a lot closer to what mankind divided was listen i don't i i it's been a hard year for me in terms of beating games but i beat mankind divided this year again uh and i i obviously there's 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 things about that game that uh if they were to come out today wouldn't fly you know it just there's things that got to get better obviously right but i don't think a direct sequel will work either because that game was completely like chopped up and a lot of things were taken out, like Adam Jensen and the entire um, clone uh, storyline that was never explored and talked about. Uh, so I don't think I, I, you're right. I don't think that we're going to see uh, a sequel to, to Mankind Divided. But if we got a game that was a lot like that, and I don't know how I feel about not playing Adam Jensen because I love me some Adam Jensen. But I again, I think Deus Ex World is 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 vibrant and 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 is deep enough to 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 kind of support side characters and that and don't have to be Adam Jensen. But yeah, I think I'll, what I would want is to be realistic with myself in terms of expectations. I want something like Mankind Divided in scope um, and obviously just better, uh, you know, graphically better storytelling, better outcomes with the uh, story paths, uh, more options, more uh, character development, more of everything, uh, what that game was. I, I really enjoyed that game thoroughly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do have one concern, is that I hope they're not, I hope that they stick with the Deus Ex, and this might be sacrilegious to the PC fans that listen. I hope that they stick more with the Deus Ex of Human Revolution and Mankind Divided, and don't go back to Deus Ex from 2000, PC version of Deus Ex and those games, because I think those games are, they're pretty different. Uh, Very they, they do yeah. the same things, but they're they're pretty different. So I kind of want to stick more to, to to the newer version of the Deus Ex universe. Uh, but I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see. We'll see because I know Deus Ex, Human Revolution, and Mankind Divided did not sell well. Right. And I wonder if in order for them to kind of use the IP, it would be a complete reset. 
and 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 maybe lean more on action, or they 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 go all the way back and just remake the first very very first game, which is uh, a very uh, conversational and very point and clicky, even very dice rolly uh, so, as well. So yeah, it's very exactly. hardcore. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess that that lack of success, like with sales, is why I would want them to also go big with something that's more open world RPG, because then you would have more opportunity to grab attention from people that don't just want to play a stealth game. You know what I mean? Yeah. That creates yeah. more opportunities to do more than just sneak around. That that appeals to a broader audience. Um, and, you know, with customization of creating your own character, that gives you a more personal, intimate experience like Cyberpunk was, um, but but something that appeals to a broader yeah. a, a broader group, casts a wider net. So, But we'll see no, what happens. I, I we'll think, see what happens, though. I think that would be the... Uh, just so, to reclude, I think that would be the ideal situation that they do that. But... The reason I don't think they will is because of the same reasons you're saying. Because it didn't sell well, why would they put so much money into it? Unless they, they feel that they have an incredible idea, which I hope they do. Because, I mean, I, I don't think those games sold well because of the way they were marketed and, and, and whatnot. Not because of, mm-hmm. of the quality of those games. Because, again, played uh, Mankind Divided this year, beat it, and it still holds up like a motherfucker. It's, it's great. So Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next hit point news item. Pablo, in a recent earnings report, Remedy Entertainment has shared some updates on their next projects. So, according to Remedy, Alan Wake 2 is in full production and on track to release in 2023. Plus, two new control games are in development, one of which is a spinoff and the other is a direct sequel to the first game. And lastly, Remedy's upcoming remake project for Max Payne 1 and 2 is still in the pipeline as well. So, Pablo, with these updates uh, regarding Remedy Entertainment's pipeline, uh, what are your thoughts and how are you feeling about what they got coming up? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, Alan Wake is one of my favorites from the Xbox 360 days. Uh, The remastered came out, dabbled with that a little bit, got into it, love it, love that world. I want to see more. I, I'm interested to see what they do with Alan Wake too, in terms of like with Alan Wake himself and how he narrated that that game. <laughs> that was good for its time, but it's 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 not. It wasn't. I don't know if that would fly too much this time around. Alan Wake originally was supposed to be an open world game, uh, so I I don't know if they said what this game is, but I'm assuming it will go to that. So I'm interested to see how that works because if they have a whole. Uh, um, a whole open world game in this kind of really dope ass uh, eerie Indiana type of town. I think that would be really dope if they can really pull that off and, 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 and make that work. Uh, as for everything else, uh, yeah, I love control for the same reasons. Ambiance. I, I like the, the bureau and the way that, that that place felt. I thought that was really great. And I want to see more of that. I'm more interested in the direct sequel. I don't know what the spinoff would be. Um, but, uh, if, if, if it's anything like the sequel or like control, I want more of that. I'm not, I, did they say that one of them was going to be a free to not a free to play, but like a game as service? I didn't see anything about that, but I could be mistaken. Yeah, maybe, maybe I don't know. We'll, we'll see on that part. And then I, I, a little disappointed on the 
on the news front in terms of where the remakes are for Max Payne. I love Control, but if they can kind of just flip those developments, uh, Alan Wake's already deep in development, so I'm not going to have too much wishful thinking. Because the reason is, I love Max Payne 1 and 2, but I want them shits to come out real quick and be real good. That way we can get Max Payne 3 remade uh, from the floor up and then see another Max Payne 4 uh, a la Rockstar style. Because Rockstar's Max Payne games are better than Remedies. Uh, Max Payne games fight me. Uh, uh, no, but, I mean, I, I ain't got no hands for you on that one. That, that's oh, the yeah, truth. I know. That's I know 100% true. Yeah, so I, I, I look, Re- Remedies a, a weird studio because they uh, they went from making one game at a time and, and, and kind of being very, ha- having a style of game. You know, you got Alan Wake, Quantic, um, Quantic. Uh, Quantum Break. Quantum Break, and then you have Control. All those games feel like they were in the same universe, like in the same world, and I think they are, technically, and, and you feel that very much. And then, you know, them venturing out to doing other stuff that has not worked for them with the whole Crossfire X stuff, and then, you know, them going into remake mode, and and I don't know. I, I hope they're not spreading themselves out too thin, but so far from what I'm seeing, Remedy is a, is a studio that I admire and love very much. I love Sam Lake. I love everything he does for the community as well. Uh, so I just hope that all this works out, man, because I Remedy making good games is good for the gaming industry, period. Yeah, um, I think uh, overall I'm I'm pretty pleased with everything that I heard. Um, I think um, you know I'm okay with Max Payne one and two being later on in their workload. Um, I'm just glad that it exists, so I'll wait. I, I honestly, obviously, the sooner the better. But I want them to get that really right. So I would rather them just wait until they're done with produ- with producing Alan Wake and other stuff before they jump into that. Are they co-developing with Rockstar, or I, Rockstar's just... I have no idea. Maybe they're just yeah. borrowing the license or something. Not too sure. Um, Control? Um, I don't really know what they're going for with the spinoff either. I don't know if it's... I don't know what's necessary about doing a spinoff, uh, unless they, they have a really good idea uh, that they want to commit to. Then, in that case, great. Um, I'm just glad that they're making a sequel to the first game, and I hope that they do a better job narratively with the second game, because I think the first one left a little too much to be desired for me. It had the mystique and the creep factor X-Files vibe going really well, but I think some of the actual character arcs in that game were a little on the weak side, so hopefully they they work on that. Um, Uh, Sorry to interrupt. The... The spinoff is going to be a four-player cooperative... uh, game set in the control universe oh so so pass um great <laughs> um good one less game i have to play absolutely um so the last game that I, I saved here to talk about is alan wake 2 pablo i'm a little worried about alan wake 2 yeah i'm a little worried fair um i think they have a tall order when it comes to reasserting this game into the horror space again because it was already niche as it was when it first came out you're playing as a literal author you know so you're not exactly a badass um a lot of it was psychological horror which can go either way with people and a lot of those gameplay mechanics especially the all the flashlight driven stuff from back in the day that just ain't going to do a lot for anybody these days so no i'm really worried that one of two things is going to happen. 
either it's going to stay too close to its roots and feel old out of the gate, or it's going to be too different and piss off the fans of the original. And, Which is fine. And so I think there's a higher risk of of really leaving some people unhappy if they don't handle this the best way. So I'm hoping to, to say all that, I say, I want them to find something that's kind of in the middle. Um, give me some callbacks to the first game. Don't completely abandon the formula that got you this cult classic prominence. But don't go too far into left field either and try to over-modernize and lose your identity and, and end up just feeling like a generic survival horror game or whatever. Um, because if you do that, you're going to run some some serious risk with the fan base. And then we won't get an Alan Wake 3. Uh, you know, it's yeah. a worst case scenario. Um, but that's all I have to say about that. But I am looking forward to what they got going on for sure. And, uh, you know, Alan Wake voice actor was kind of terrible uh oh, yeah he was and he's back and, he, and he's back for the sequel so uh i i, I just that man I that man wonder, read his script like he was just like like practicing his line and and then i went into the cabin make eye contact like he was reading like the yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like if somebody would have misplaced a question mark he would have been like i'm alan Wayne. yeah like he was so like <laughs> uh he read it so literal I, it was just like dude put yeah, some emotion in I'm, that thing I'm, I'm excited for the vibes of this game. That's really what I'm excited for. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you. Real quick, and I'm trying to put you on the spot. Go ahead and rank Alan Wake, Control, and um, and Quantic. Uh, Quantum what Break. I keep Quantum, Quantum Break at, at 1, 2, and 3 in terms of your favorite to your least favorite. Quantum Break is number one, Controls 2, and Alan Wake 3. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Quantum Break is one for me. Alan Wake is two, and then I have Control at three for mm. me. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I can go either way, but um, you know, it just depends on the mood because I think, man, yeah. that the remaster of the uh, of of the first Alan Wake, I actually didn't like it too much. I I I got into it for a little while, but I felt like they just didn't. I don't know. It it just kind of made me feel a little bit more worried about the the franchise, and it made me feel like, yeah. oh, I'm so glad it's back. You know. So no, I agree. Though I will say that's one hell of a remaster job because that that game looks clean as hell. It's just yeah, it, it, like the way it plays and, and the way the, it's voice acted and then everything else just feels so old. But it looks it looks yeah. a lot better because if when you compare the two and they not being a remake, it being a remaster, mm-hmm. that they did one hell of a job. So at the very least, we can be confident that these games are going to look phenomenal. Remedy does the. They do a pretty good job graphically. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, get the performance up to, up to stuff as well. Yeah, man. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to our uh, next hit point news item. Actually, these last two are PlayStation related, but the first one uh, is an interesting one because Sony has announced that the PlayStation VR two will launch on February twenty second of next year at five hundred and forty nine ninety nine. Uh, this price has come as a shock to many, given that it's priced higher than the PlayStation 5 itself. This price, along with the news that the PSVR 2 will not be backwards compatible with PSVR 1 software, begs the question, is this price a mistake? And more importantly, how successful do we think the PSVR 2 will be now? Uh, this is a difficult one because... Is the price a mis- is is a price a mistake? I, I, it's hard for me to say because they're going to be the ones that are going to measure what success is within P- 
PSVR. So if they're saying here, this is a very, very luxury, uh, it's a, it's, this is a luxury item. We only need to sell a few. Uh, it doesn't need to be a one for one in terms of like everybody has PS5 has a PSVR. Then it could end up being very successful for them uh, in terms of it just being for what we, what we, what we make for each unit as opposed to making a whole bunch and losing money if we don't sell them. So I do think that the price is, there's a lot of sticker shock there. I think that it is so high. I wasn't even expecting that. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not a, 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 a specs guy, so I don't know what PSVR 2 is doing uh, when you compare it to other VR systems in the market. So I couldn't speak on it on that because I I don't know if they're like well if you look at this VR system and you look at this one and and you know this makes sense price wise within the industry and I get it but it also it's a peripheral it's something you need something else to make it work at this point in PS5 so it's it it is it, it's a little bizarre for sure but then again I mean maybe this is just Sony kind of admitting that P, that VR isn't the future this is just a a niche product a luxury product and you know like like when they price out like when Xbox made the Gucci Xbox at ten thousand uh, dollars, like you know, it's not for everybody. I'm sure it was successful because they, they sold the units that they had. The so Gucci box, that, I didn't know they did that. The the Gucci yeah, box, yeah. Huh? the Gucci box. Xbox is a whole. It's a. It's all Gucci. They Gucci like, it out. Oh man, they, it, it, it's ten thousand. It's ten thousand dollars. It comes like in a lug. It comes like a little case, a Gucci uh, oh, case. That is so it, douchey. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so bad. Ten grand for that sucker, and it's sold out, oh, and it was man. selling for like twenty on eBay. But anyway, uh, in that way, uh, because if if the if Sony's gonna come out here and say they want PSVR <clears throat> to be the future of PlayStation, and if they want if they believe in VR as the future of where the gaming industry is gonna go, they're certainly not showing it with this price point at all. So mm. you know, I, I I think it's a ridiculous price point. I also think it's a ridiculous piece of hardware. Uh, I think VR is ridiculous anyway. Uh, so I I guess which is on at the end of the day. But I I do think that this is uh, this is it's it, it's it's wild that it's five fifty. But at the same time, you know, it is what it is at that point. What what do you think? Um. So I'm gonna try to take away my lack of interest in VR as part of this because I wanna I wanna speak to this if I was a hypothetical f- like VR fan. Even as a fan of VR, hypothetically speaking, I can't justify this price in my brain at all. And there's two key reasons why I can't do that. The first reason why is because this game ha- this this game device has not been marketed almost at all. This has been the most like discreet, subtle, like we're doing this. Remember, kind of like rollout that I have seen with any PlayStation device ever. Like they seem intent on tucking this thing in the back burner when they do state of plays. There is hardly any real mention at all of of PSVR two. There has been no like big coming out party on a showcase type of level to really show what makes this thing special. It has literally been like, Hey, there's the rumored PSVR two. Hey, they confirmed it at some trade show. Hey, there's some tweet to show you what it looks like. And Hey, here's the price (coughs) and the release date. And that's literally been the rollout. So when it comes to like getting excited about this, this device, I don't know what Sony has 
been thinking with like how they've marketed this thing at all. I mean, I'm sure around the time when it does come out, we'll see commercials. We'll get more, you know, um, uh, media coverage about it as they send out, you know, VR units to different outlets and stuff like that. I, I don't. I'm not saying it's going to be completely like under the radar, but these this year has been so so bad with getting people to actually be excited about this that it makes the price point feel even more jarring. And the second reason is similar to the point about the coming out party thing. What what are the games that are coming out as part of this launch that you want people to be excited about? Like, I don't, again, I just don't know what they're expecting people to feel when you're not like showing us marquee titles for this console that have some kind of demonstration or gameplay like there's no software related momentum happening either with first party or third party stuff from what i'm seeing and i even as somebody that tunes out vr news like i'm i still just don't see anything coming up anywhere other than bad news about the fact that it's not going to run psvr games so i think from software to marketing this is a completely wasted opportunity that makes the price stand out like a sore thumb um, and so hopefully in the next few months, they do a better job of pitching this well, to the PlayStation community and the VR community. But I don't know if they've really maximized the potential to roll this out the right way. I think we'll know in the future if this is a quote unquote bad price, mm-hmm. uh, because even now, and I just kind of while you were talking, uh, I, I, I kind of pull up the prices of just VR headsets. And you have the Oculus Rift, which is a very popular one. It sits at $600. You have the Oculus Quest all-in-one VR system, which is $500. PlayStation VR original is still $200. HTC Vive Pro is $1,386. Uh, oh, and then we have another one. Uh, yeah, the MetaQuest Pro, which is $1,499. One of the things to note here is all these companies... They're not VR only companies. HEC makes phones. Like, this is a, like, again, you mentioned back to kind of my point, a luxury item. But to your point, I agree. I mean, they haven't done nearly enough to, to promote this uh, in terms of, of justifying the price. I think we'll, I think in a few months, once it comes out and once we see the power this thing actually has and what games come end up coming to it, uh, like Half-Life Alex, for example, been rumored for a while. Like, it, it can run those games without issue. Then at that point, Looking at the price points, it does seem like it's on par, kind of like the DualSense Edge, which is like $200. People freaked out about that. But when you look at other controllers within the same kind of price range, it, it, it's at price for, for it. So uh, we'll definitely see here as to what exactly we, we this will be. It's just you're right. I, I think when you look at it from that point of view, which is the only point of view you can really look at it in terms of marketing and, and what can this thing do, we don't know. And we know nothing about it, really. Just that yeah. about how it looks, and it has a Horizon Zero Dawn game coming for it that looks pretty decent, but looks like a ride mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day. But yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we will. Um, but speaking of PlayStation games that uh, you know are delivering, we have the fourth and final hit point news item. So, God of War Ragnarok is almost upon us, and. It's reviewing pretty damn good. Uh, currently, yeah. as of this recording, I believe it's sitting at a 94 on Open Critic. I think it's at a 95 on Metacritic, if you're more of a Metacritic oh. person. Uh, but either way, um, meteoric uh, in terms of review scores. Uh, genuinely shocking. I think it is It is only behind Elden Ring at this point in terms of highest reviewed game um, this year. 
Um, now, full disclosure, me and Pablo are trying to stay on as much of a blackout as possible when it comes to spoilers, and so we're going to be obviously very cognizant of that for you all as well when we actually get our hands on the game. Um, but just high level, Pablo, when you when you saw these scores coming through, what was your immediate reaction, and what are your thoughts in terms of just how this what this indicates as far as the quality of this game? Yeah, honestly, relief, uh, because I was down on the score. I'm just kidding. No, that's not why. Uh, uh, I, I was uh, I was relieved that it's good because after God of War 2018, which I a game that I really adored and loved, uh, and then getting the sequel to that, and then kind of like a little bit of the tumult, like a little bit of the rough, you know, coming out party for Ragnarok being announced for 2021 and then kind of missing its timetable and then mostly silent this year and them not talking about it until finally it's coming out and everything else in between. I was kind of worried that this was, not that it was going to be bad because, I mean, those guys make great games, but this game was just not going to be as good as God of War 2018. And for all that I've seen, it looks like it's just as good. And in some instances, some like uh, that I've seen on Twitter, people are saying that this is a better game than uh, God of War 2018. So, um, yeah, man, I'm I'm super excited about it. One thing that I will say, I will say that consensus in terms of the one takeaway that I kept seeing, people kind of just talking about it, you know, the Gene Parks of the world and all that, is that it, it gets a little bit pacing issues towards the end supposedly but then there's people refuting that saying that if you're enthralled and into it you don't even feel it but the the i think it's a 24 hour you know timetable in terms of beating the game um, yeah i've heard 30 for people that were finishing all the side quests too that's right yeah, yeah. 24 golden pathing it mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and uh, to top it all off and something that i saw and no no it's not a it's not a spoiler but someone said that these are the best side missions that they've played of any game, and they said that they've also played, so just to let you know, I've also played Witcher 3, yeah. which is wild to say, because Witcher 3 for me is has the best side missions of any game ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if if this even comes close to that, that's going to be crazy. And I hope it's not the cyberpunk way of, of side missions where those were essential and they should have never been side missions mm-hmm. uh but anyway I, i'm super happy about what ragnarok is doing within reviews and i hope that when i get my hands on it we're not we're not sitting here having a conversation like it was made in a three because that would <laughs> be crazy yeah um yeah i i had a feeling the day before i'm like oh this game's gonna this game's gonna murder when it comes to the reviews and i looked at my prediction of 90 and i'm like pfft it's gonna blow that out of the water. Uh, you beat me by one. You had ninety one as your as your prediction. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think my mentality, dude, was like I felt like people were gonna really like this game, but I felt like people were still gonna have this like affinity for twenty eighteen, and I thought that was gonna in, like color the judgment yeah. of this game. But it, apparently not. And I'm glad. I'm glad about that because. That, that excites me as somebody that only really, like, I really, really liked God of War 2018. I just wasn't in love with it. So I'm I'm more excited now because people are yeah. saying, oh, yeah, this wipes the floor with God of War 2018. Um, and that's exciting to me because, and, and again, you know, I've been trying to dodge spoilers. But what I've heard is that 
they go beyond just telling the the Kratos Atreus story and they kind of, you know, expand it and it's more of an epic across, you know, the entire yeah, Norse, someone, you know, thing. So yeah. that's what got me hyped because it it just felt too small and intimate sometimes yeah. with with 2018. And I'm like, okay, I need I need some things to happen here, you know? I want to yeah, feel felt- like the bombast, you know what I'm saying? But it sounds like yeah. we're going to get that here. Someone said that 2018, I forgot who it was. 2018 God of War 2018 was like a stage play. And that this is like an epic, yeah. And, and, and Ragnarok is like this epic, incredible adventure. Yeah, and that's weird because you, you're in this Norse mythology world, uh, and you you didn't see anybody, ain't nobody around. Everybody's <laughs> yeah, gone, out there being gods. Gone, but, but like uh, now, I'm feeling good. I'm I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, and I'm I, I hope that I can keep myself out of spoilers, man, because it's I'm getting more nervous by the day now. I'm doing so well. I just don't want to run into that like random YouTube video of here's the ending with a thumbnail of like some like critical thing that happens in the game. Knowing me, that'll probably yeah, happen that, and I'll speak it into existence. But like, um, I'm just nervous about spoilers. I man. think I think in order to avoid that, they just gotta release the game. Just release just it. Just do it. it. Release it. Unlock it. it. It's it's gone gold, baby. <laughs> Um, yeah. but yeah, last thing I'll say is performance wise, I watched digital, Fa- uh, I listened to digital foundries review, uh, cause I didn't want to watch anything. And one thing they said was it's not as much of a graphical leap as horizon zero dawn to horizon forbidden West is in terms of, you know, PS4 to PS5, but they said it's still really good. And a lot of the performance and graphical options are really well done. Uh, so there's a lot of good choices at, at everyone's disposal which i thought was really exciting to hear so i i think whether you're playing this on last gen or current gen hardware you're probably going to be in for a great time um and with minimal performance hiccups too which is what i come to expect from playstation honestly and they follow through on that too so i'm i'm happy i'm very happy they're really good at that that's for sure yep uh but that is going to do it for hit points this week it's time to get into the checkpoint oh, wait, one more thing one more thing i want to say okay uh Final Fantasy 16, 95% done. End of the year, they're going to announce release date and everything. So just uh, just a little breaking news there in that way. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I the mean, big interview with IGN. They talk about everything about combat and its comparisons to uh, Game of Thrones, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's out, out there for 95% done. So excited. That's coming. Yeah, and it'll be game of the year next year. Um, now, let's go ahead and Probably. move on to... The main event of the show. I'm going to talk over Pablo because he keeps stopping me. Uh, it is time for the main event of the show. Checkpoint chat. Hidden Gems 22. Let's go. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right. So as promised, it is the beginning of our 2022 end of the year coverage. And we are starting off our coverage by talking about some of the lesser known but great games that we got a chance to experience this year. They might not be the marquee games of the year, but they have a special place in our heart, and I think they deserve some cult classic-like love uh, from your boys here at Cooldown Time. So uh, try these games out if you uh, if you happen to be curious about them as we kind of walk you through them. Uh, but me and Pablo basically chose five games each uh, that we felt were the best hidden gems of the year. We'll give you a little brief explanation as to why, and then we'll keep this thing rolling all the way up to our number one picks. So... Pablo, let's go ahead and get started with you. Uh, what is your fifth hidden gem of 2022? 
That came out in January. It's called Windjammers 2. Neo Geo Classic finally gets a sequel 28 years later. Mm. How about that? It's a sports game. It's uh, volleyball meets tennis. Your objective is to get the disc into the other's goal. Uh, really great music. Really great art design. Each court has a unique mechanic where it plays different, so it's not just doing things the same way over and over. And it kind of controls like a fighting mechanic. Every action, there's a counter, so on and so forth, and every character has its own kind of specialty in that way. And it's really, it's a really, uh, it's a really great time. Me and Marco play a little bit of it. Uh, I continue to play some as, as months went by, but then it, you know, things like, uh, things like, uh, Elden Ring came out and it just, it kind of got lost in the shuffle, but it's a definite must try it is on game pass and it is a really fun time i, I love windjammers too yeah pretty good game uh i i had fun with it i didn't get into it very much though because i think it was just a little too 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 fast for me but uh i definitely see why people wanted to get a sequel after all these years so glad it came back yeah um my number five uh hidden gem is metal hell singer so what happens when doom and guitar hero go in raw and have a baby uh, out of wedlock you get Metal Hellsinger, a uh, first-person shooter with uh, gothic Doom-like visuals and art style, but with a rhythmic action premise uh, to time all of your gunshots and reloading to the beat of very, very good and well-made metal music from some of the best bands in the biz. Um, I really like this game a lot. I didn't think I was going to be into it whatsoever, but I really got into the gameplay and the actual rhythm of the game uh, as I got used to the style of it. And I really found myself, you know, enjoying the ride. It was uh, it's, it's not a very deep or extensive game that's going to push your boundaries or tell this magical story, but it does feel like a very competently made polished and well thought out idea that they executed remarkably well and I found myself not only banging my head in, in enjoyment of the game but just looking at, at it in hindsight going man that was a fun time you know so it's yeah. it's available on Game Pass PC and other uh, I think other platforms as well definitely worth your time uh, I think it's a really fun one if you're a shooter fan that wants something that's a little unique and, and uh, against the grain the story of that game was a lot more fleshed out than I thought it, it was. It was. Yeah, sure. it wasn't that bad yeah. at all. It was kind of cool. It was almost like Bastion in a way where it had like the narrator and then she went in there yeah. and did that thing. And, you know, it's a country yeah. sounding guy. It was dope. It had its definite e dope moments, but how? it's not for everybody, though. But just as a no, heads no, up, no, no, no. it is a good time, in my opinion. Um, but it is at number five. So we have four more to go, Pablo. So let's get into your fourth hidden gem of the year. What do you got? If yeah, if you like card games, Card Shark is not for you. <laughs> this is a card game that doesn't where you don't play cards at all. Uh, basically, you are you join a group of con artists and you learn how to cheat in all these card games, all these things, all these tells, and everything is kind of presented to you in these little mini games that are sometimes one off. Uh, really cool things like, for example, wiping a table a certain way will indicate what kind of hand the other player has, and so on and so forth. And that kind of permeates throughout the entire game. Some really intricate uh, kind of uh, mini games that really are unique and, and and super interesting, just like this game is. Uh, it's on the Nintendo. Switch. Uh, it has a really dope art style. Kind of reminds me of uh, Pentiment that's coming out later this month uh, and the way it looks. It came out of nowhere. The demo kind of got me by the loins. Uh, devoured this game. Uh, super easy, uh, but really fun and really unique kind of game. And that is Card Shark. So if anybody's interested in, in playing it, check it out. It's like $20 on the Switch and it's on Steam as well. Yeah, this was an interesting one. I, you know, It didn't quite do a lot for me, but I'm so glad 
glad that a game with this idea exists because I, I think it's a really interesting way to kind of subvert expectations and and yeah. you know approach the whole card game angle uh, a different way as this like swindler scam artist kind of thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I yeah, hope the sequel awesome. is more like modern and instead of like Card Shark, you're like scalping PlayStations or something like that. Instead, that'd be kind of dope. <laughs> No, but I, I, honestly, if it did more like at the World Series of Poker type of thing, where you, you're doing that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff, because it, it's a really, really cool premise. And people talk about mini games and they go, "Ill," but no, these mini games were actually really fun. And again, I, like I said, one off sometimes, so mm. you didn't have to worry about learning the mechanic too much. It was just kind of like on to the next. So, really fast paced game as well. So, I recommend for sure. Yeah, man. All right. So my fourth uh, pick for Hidden Gem of 2022 is a narrative-driven game called As Dusk Falls. Uh, This came out uh, a couple months ago. Uh, It was available via Game Pass. And I have to say, as someone who is a fan of the telltale, interactive storytelling kind of experiences, this one caught my eye right after it was announced, not just because it's so story-driven, but also because of the very interesting choice of art style of being still frames um, that were kind of that hand-drawn but realistic-looking kind of hybrid. Um, I really ended up liking this game a lot. I thought... um, I was going to bounce off of it very quickly because the first chapter was a little on the dry side. I'm like, oh, this isn't yeah. this isn't going well. But then it picks up really fast and it gets very epic and a lot of things start to go down. Um, and and you end up really starting to build this attachment to a lot of the characters that you see in the game. And the choices that you make actually do feel like they matter and you can have very different yeah. experiences. So I came away from this one feeling really good. And I thought, man, this is um, it is a little hokey and campy at times. And it does have some some misses story wise, but I think overall it is a great game. I would actually say it's a great game game to play with with people that don't play video games, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. because you can kind of you know choose your own adventure basically with them, and it's 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 not very demanding at all with gameplay. It's all button prompts and dialogue choices. There's no walking around or interacting with objects. Uh, I think you can even play it on xCloud or on your phone. So it's 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 a great choice for people who are very, very on the casual side. Um, so I recommend it. I think it's a really good game. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, coincidentally uh, my number three. Mm. Uh, I, I agree with you, man. Strong narrative, insane amount of branching paths, big and small. Uh, fairly strong voice acting. Like you said, unique art style. Uh, Quantum Dream uh, developer. What's her name? Uh, I don't remember down here. Caroline Marshall. She brings narrative experience to Aztec Falls, and it shows. I think this is the games that David Cage thinks he makes. <laughs> uh, because <laughs> That's uh, funny. Be- it's true, though. It's because, true. Because, man, it... it at times it could be powerful, but also very hokey. But I, I think that they really pull it off and to make you really care for people mm-hmm. uh, like Vincent, uh, aka uh, Adam Jensen. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah so uh, it, it, it kind of definitely felt like him uh, <laughs> talking to yeah. this fat uh, guy who wants to be a pilot. But uh, yeah, look, I, I'm really looking forward to uh, the possibilities of more Dust Falls or whatever this studio, Interior Design Studios, does next. Because it, it uh, as Dust Falls, is a very strong uh, experience this year. And it, it, and it might even make uh, my top 10 games of the year for sure. I loved it that much. Hey, all right. All right. Well, since that's your number three, let's get into my number three. And that is a game called Neon White. Um, this is one of those games where I saw this announced at the Nintendo Direct. I'm like, boo, this looks... This looks ugly. <laughs> this looks like a bad mobile game. And if you go and watch a trailer of this on YouTube, you will you will be like disgusted. You're like, what? Yep. Why are they recommending this to me? But this game is actually 
fantastic. I'm not a time attack guy. I've, I've never been interested in that. I, I will never be interested in that. But this game's uh, design is based on using weapons and uh, their main abilities and their, their side abilities to basically traverse through uh, these, these locations um, mission by mission. Uh, in order to complete them and move the narrative along. I'm trying not to spoil too much here. But the gameplay feels so tight and responsive and gratifying, and they have this amazing balance between action, um, traversal, and puzzle solving environmentally uh, that just makes this game so... um, so addictive that you just can't pull yourself away from it. I know life this thing all the way to completion. And I have to say for a while, it was one of those games. Where I'm like, this is, this might be high on my list, but I don't know if it's going to hang that much with other games that we still have to play. Um, but Hey, I'm not the only one saying this. It's been reviewed very well. I think it's setting at an 89 on open critic right now. So this game really blew a lot of people away. Um, I can't wait for this to possibly hit other consoles. I think right now it's just PC and switch, but uh, if you have a switch, I absolutely recommend that you fight through the visual style uh, and don't judge a book by its cover and go try it out because you will be pleasantly surprised at this game. And uh, I think we'll be talking about this uh, in, in uh, future episodes, you know, pertaining to game of year categories for sure. For sure. For sure. My, uh, we're going to my number two, right? Yep. Yeah. That's Blossom Tales 2, which is the Minotaur Prince. Uh, This is a Zelda, like uh, link to the past type of uh, RPG. And it, and it's, it, it, it wears that those inspirations on its sleeve. This is not even, they're not even trying to hide it. Uh, But you know, like Blossom Tales one, it's told through the perspective of a narrator, which is your grandfather telling you the story of what's happening in this kingdom that he's created. And every time something happens, he narrates that, and then that's what's going on in the, in the in the game itself. It's very cutesy. It's very, um, it's very much the way you think it is in terms of its presentation. Uh, all the way down to the garb, all the way down to the fighting style, all the way down to kind of the structure of the story, the areas, all that screams linked to the past, and it is absolutely great because these games come out all the time and they're always kind of the same kind of kind of uh emulation or trying to emulate what those games did and they fail miserably because they try to add their own spice to it or, or something else to it and mm-hmm. it just never really it Let, never let's really do it with souls Bo- elements now like yeah right right <laughs> exactly blossom tales stays true to what it wants to wants to be and it tells such a compelling story uh and it's cute because it's about this 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 game uh is about your brother and your uh and your your brother and sister dynamic and how they don't get along and how this story brings them closer together based on certain things that happen within the game it just it, it just really well made game and blossom tales continues to kind of fill that zelda hole every time that there's not a zelda game that year and they, i hope that these games continue because they they're so well done and they're uh among the best of zelda like games uh so and i hope that they keep making more so that that's Blossom Tales too. That's only on Switch. It's a, they're Switch exclusives, uh, and I would, if I'm not mistaken, unless this one came out everything, but I uh, definitely recommend this game for sure. Yeah, yeah. Zelda likes that are of high quality are pretty hard to find. Everyone wants to to tap into that nostalgia, but very few games manage to actually deliver and still 
be a nice throwback, but also be their own thing and not, it, it, but in not an obnoxious way, like we were talking about with like infusing some other type of genre in the mix too. Yeah. So I'm glad Try this to, game stuck to what works and actually thrives off of it. In your opinion, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not trying to hide its its, its inspiration. Yeah, no need to. Yeah, just just do a good job at that, and you'll be okay. Um, yeah. So my number two is a game that I talked about actually just recently, and that's called Signalis. Um, this is the um, PS1-looking horror title uh, that has sort of taken my heart. And uh, even a friend of the show, Will, shout out to Will, uh, it's, he said it's his game of the year right now. So um, this game has really stunned a lot of people in the gaming community off of how just how high quality of a survival horror experience it is. Um, the, the throwback art style... Um, the, the, the creep factor, the way that they use almost ARG like cryptic, you know, um, effects to, you know, put, put random strange poems flashing on the screen just for a split second to kind of throw you off and then give you back the gameplay again, or, uh, little touches like that, along with the traditional blend of, you know, slow and methodical horror, uh, exploration and and combat and puzzle solving really comes together in this beautiful way that has just absolutely enamored me since the moment I picked this game up. Um, it's certainly not for everybody. If you don't have a uh, a long running history with survival horror games, uh, or if they just never really scratched an itch for you over the years. I don't think this game's going to do any favors for you per se. This is very much catering to a, a specific audience. Uh, I would even say a specific demographic and age range, um, but also introducing some elements that make it feel very um, cool in this era, and not just not not so much of a throwback that it just feels like like awful to play. Um, right. it's got a really interesting hook and pace and flow and style to it that I think is just a one stuff. And it shot up this list pretty fast. Um, and out of nowhere, I didn't even know this game yeah. existed until I saw it randomly on a Twitter, um, on a Twitter retweet. And I'm like, Oh, I have to have this. Oh, it's on game pass. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of which it's available on game pass and, and, uh, other consoles and PC. So, uh, and I believe it's 20 bucks. So it is worth your time. If you are a horror fan, like your boy. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but now number one time, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's get to it. Yeah. My number one is a game that Marco has already mentioned. That's Neon White. Now, Marco kind of already mentioned everything that I would have mentioned about the game, except one aspect, which is the kind of part visual novel of it all. The, 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 mm. the, the super insane, uh, Japanese anime tropey. I did that forget that. Yeah. Wild story that is weirdly entertaining. Uh it's 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 mildly inappropriate in many turns. Uh and it has it, it really kind of sets up what the game is trying to do story wise. And also the game though it is a time trial game that you're trying to get the best uh you know the best time each levels. They have really interesting and dope ass boss fights. Mm -hmm. Some of the best of the year honestly. And I think that this game really is successful when it comes to the gameplay aspect of it, it nails that to a T. It has to in order to be successful at what it's trying to do. But also, I think that story, like I mentioned, I think the story is just 
fantastic. And I think that I think some people that this could be the part of the game that kind of repels some people. Uh, but I do think that it is it, it's it's tongue in cheek enough to where you definitely understand uh, what they're uh, what they're going for down to the voice acting of some of these people. Like uh, the, these Japanese games always go well. I don't think this is a Japanese game. It's not even a Japanese game. It's made by one guy. But I I love what I love about it is because this is true to Japanese anime tropes. Is if it's dubbed, there's always one character that sounds like he's from the Bronx. How you doing? (laughs) I'm from New York. You know? And so the guy made the game didn't it's not Japanese, not, but he made the game in that same vein and added those tropes to the to, to kind of let you know that he's in on it, right? Yeah. It, it's part of the charm of what he's trying to do, and that's and that's the most important thing about this game. It is charming as hell as well. Uh, I, I love it. I think Neon White is an absolute incredible uh, game, and I think that this is a game that. Um, you, like Marco said, people weren't expecting, and I think it, it does it doesn't do well at all in terms of tra- trailers or, or people explaining it to you. Mm-mm. It's it's definitely one of those games, like, within 10 minutes, you know you're either going to love it or hate yes. it. Uh, it. It is that quick in terms of how what what it's going for. But yeah, that's my number one. That's Dion White. It's a great game. It's a great... Can't recommend yeah. it enough. Really can't. Um, my number one uh, hidden gem of 2022 goes to Stray. Um, I had my eye on Stray ever since day one. When this thing got first announced, I'm like, oh, this atmosphere, this the, the music, playing as a cat, but not in the not in the silly indie game kind of way that I'm used to seeing right. it. Like, you know, that's a whole nother tangent, but so many indie games now are trying to be funny and goofy and zany. Now you're playing as a grape with a sword, and it, it's like, okay. So, <laughs> literally. Wait. Literally a real thing. Game. What was that? Um... It's a whole thing. I don't even want to get into it. But, you know, so this was a game that to me took itself seriously for a change. And I and it's not to say that it doesn't have its lighthearted moments because you're playing as a cat. You do you do get to do cat stuff in the game. But I just found this world, um, the gameplay and the overall pacing of that game to be almost flawless for me. I don't really have a lot of if any real flaws that that stick out about this game the most you can say is that it's very guided in terms of you know it it is somewhat linear in a sense even though you can miss things in that game but i just found that gameplay the exploration and most importantly that lived in world and the uh overarching story um that's going on um to be absolutely captivating from beginning to end i could not wait for this game to come out and it delivered. And I just think that even though it had a lot of people's eyes on it, I feel like towards the end of the year, it it's going to kind of fall back under the radar as the God of Wars start to, you know, take over the zeitgeist and stuff. And a lot of game of the year conversations are going to be Elden Ring versus God of War and games like this and the others on this list, obviously are going to get lost in the shuffle. But I feel like stray for me was the one that was like, Oh no, this, this belongs. This is a great, great experience that um, I thought just delivered on all fronts. So it had to be my number one uh, hidden gem of the year. I, I tried to get into it, and I kind of fell off of it. Nothing to do with the game. It's all it, it was a me thing. But um, well, that was like right after your 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 son was born, I think. And you were like, I don't yeah, want to yeah, do exactly. any gameplay right now. I'm gonna play as Dust Falls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, that's kind of, and it also was the fact that um, the opening of that game was so good, uh, and everything else. Just that I, I got into this part of the game where uh, it just 
it's like, look, you know, I'm gonna do this later. I, I, I was kind of stuck. I'm gonna do this later. I just never went back to it, unfortunately. Uh-oh. But yeah. not nothing with the game. It's all about me. But I, this game looks so good, and the little cat things you do, the little cutesy stuff that you know is is so is so cool. Like there's like a little item, like it. It was like a piece of paper or, or a trash can mm-hmm. that you can hit and it covers, it covers you, you, your face and yep. it, the controls all wha- whacked out for a little bit. Little things like that. It's, it's a game about details and it kind of nails that all the way through. Absolutely. So, yeah, this is an awesome kind of game. Yeah, yeah. And and one of my favorite in terms of style too, for sure. Um, but yeah, that is going to do it for our uh, list of hidden gems of 2022. Uh, so that is also going to wrap up this week's show, but don't worry. Our end of year coverage is going to continue on next week as we give the Xbox a grade for 2022. And, uh, it might be an interesting conversation that you won't want to miss. A plus, baby. Oh, they you sure? Nothing wrong. Are you sure? They did nothing wrong. Okay. You ain't have to sing. You didn't have to do that. Uh, with a toothpick I in mean, your mouth either. That was weird. They didn't really too. release any games, but yeah, yeah. it's so good. We'll get into it. it. So we'll get into it. Uh, but until then, be sure to give our podcast a sub if you enjoyed this episode of the show and if you want to catch the next one when it drops. Also, don't forget to follow us on IG and Twitter. We're at It's Cooldown Time, uh, so that will always be in your FOV. But until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week as our end-of-year coverage continues. Take care. Make me feel good.